0: We've been on a series that we're calling A More Excellent Way. Uh, What we've been doing is we've been looking at our lives and, and every area of our lives and just asking, you know, God, every area, whether it be your career, whether it be your hobby, whether it be your family life, relationships, every area, just asking ourselves, is there a more excellent way for us is it does God have a more excellent way am I doing you know some things we're going we're doing we're doing okay in some things we're going we're not so good some things we're really kicking right we're, we're firing on all cylinders and that's good but is there the, the question I'm inviting all of us into is to ask ourselves the question is there a more excellent way could what we be doing have even a more profound effect does God have a more, a different way that w- w- of what we're doing that is even bigger and, and, and better and, and, and with God, breathing on it, it just supersizes what we're doing. That's, that's the question that I've been encouraging all of us in the past three weeks to look at and see in our lives, is there a more excellent way? Because a lot of times in our culture, what we do is we, we think that we can compartmentalize our lives. We say, okay, well, in, in, in my, I'm doing pretty good in my health right? But I'm not doing that good in my career. And we say, you know, my job it's the worst. I don't like it. I don't like my boss. But then in my health, I'm doing okay. So I'm just going to focus on my health. But the reality is, y'all, the reality is that, that all of our areas of our lives, they bleed into each other. And so as much as we want to think that our health is the most, you know, we can just compartmentalize and say, no, I'm just going to focus on my health and my job is just there. God wants to bleed into every one of our lives, every area of our lives, and make it better. He wants to, to, to be a part of every area and, 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 and want to help you discover the more excellent way. The more excellent way. God has a more excellent way for all of us, all right? And so the title of this talk today is called Get It. Two words. Can everybody say that? The two words. Ready? One, two, three. Get it, very good okay so the scripture we're going to look at is 2nd chronicles chapter 1 2nd chronicles chapter 1 so if you have your bibles you can look up 2nd chronicles if you don't have your bibles or if you have your bibles you don't know where in the world is carmen santiago or where in the world is 2nd chronicles you can look in the in the table of contents and look for 2nd chronicles we do that here it's okay i'm really excited about this talk i'm really excited about what we're going to do today before we get reading today i want to ask you guys a question how many of you are facing a very, very important decision coming up. Raise your hand. How many of you have a very important decision that you have to make that's coming up? Or maybe you're facing a decision right now that you have to make. Anybody else besides those hands that raised up? Okay, I saw a couple of hands. I see a couple of hands. Anyone else? All right. So I believe that this talk is really going to help you. You guys, we make tons and tons of decisions in a day. And I believe this talk is going to help you. We all make all different types of decisions. If you're in school, we make decisions about, gosh, should I, should I go to school again this next semester? Or should I not go to school? Or should I, what major should I pick, right? Or what do I do once I'm done with school? What, what should I pick? I'm not really sure. If, if you're single, you're like, where is that suitable partner that i 'm supposed to connect with i 'm making a decision if I should date or not is this the time for me to start dating? We make all kinds of decisions uh, you know if you have kids you 're like okay or or hey, you have somebody in your life. Should we get engaged? Should we get married? you know and if we do get married, where should we live in her house, my house should we move to another city si- I mean we make all kinds of decisions for you know, those who are married, you're like, okay, and you're wondering if you should have kids or not, or, or, you know, for some of us, we're like, should, can we trade in our kids? You know, some of us are thinking maybe some of that stuff as well, but we're, we're making all kinds of decisions here and there, like, I, I got to make all kinds of decisions, and so, so this scripture, I believe in, and what I'm going to talk to you today is it, going to help you make some good decisions. Some of us, we might be facing different seasons in our lives. Some of us have older parents and we're wondering, what should I do with my older parents? How should I take it? Should I step up to the plate and care for them? Or should I put them in an assisted living facility because they can do so much better than I can? We, we, we face all kinds of different decisions. And so I, 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 want us to, I want us to look at this today with those kind of eyes and see what, what, what God might be saying. You might be here, you might also be wondering about, you know, different decisions, about a pet, maybe. Uh, Man, I I don't know if I should get a pet, if I should get a dog, or if I should get a rattlesnake. I don't know if anybody saw this week, uh, well, actually not this week, but a few weeks ago, there was an article in the news about this guy who who had a rattlesnake as a pet decided to get a rattlesnake. He got this rattlesnake, and then he decided he wanted to kiss the rattlesnake. I don't know if anybody saw that in the news. And so he thought, I'm, making, I'm in the valley of decisions. <laughs> I'm going to make a decision to kiss this rattlesnake. So he, he kisses this rattlesnake, and I guess the snake wanted to kiss him back, but he didn't want to give him like a closed mouth kiss. He wanted to give him an open mouth kiss, and so, you know, one of those. And so they went for a kiss, and the snake just bit him in the face. But we're all in the, the valley of decision. We have to make different decisions, and he made, obviously, a very poor decision. So, if you're taking notes, the big thought that I want us to think about today, and it's a quote from a guy, a pastor, prolific writer, his name is Frank Borham, Frank Borham, and he said this, he said, we make our decisions, and our decisions make us. We make our decisions, and our decisions make us so. With great Doral Vineyard enthusiasm, I'm going to ask all of us to say that aloud since it's coming up right here on the big screen behind me. Let's say it all together on the count of three. One, two, three. We make our decisions, and our decisions make us. One more time. We make our decisions, and our decisions make us. Okay, so the truth is, we are who we are today based on the decisions that we made yesterday. We are who we will be tomorrow based on the decisions that we make today. We are who we are, right? Based on the decisions we've made from the past. And so we are, we are, we make our decisions and our decisions make us. Our decisions, we are the results of what d- we've decided to do yesterday. And so what I want to do today is talk to you about a very, very important message. This, this message was very meaningful to me over 30 plus years ago, this, this passage of scripture that I read, and it's continued to be a very important scripture. So I want to start off with a story f- in the Old Testament, all right, in Second Chronicles. And this is a story that impacted me significantly over 30 years ago, and it still continues to impact me today. And so it's, it's, it's a story about Solomon, who is the son of King David, very well-known guy, the guy who killed Goliath, right? The son of King David, Solomon. Solomon, he was made king after David, and most in traditions, when you become a king, what was very traditional to do was to kill, sacrifice uh, an animal. And so... Solomon didn't just sacrifice one animal. He didn't sacrifice two. He didn't sacrifice five, ten. He sacrificed a thousand bulls. He sacrificed a thousand bulls. He went above and beyond what was traditionally, you know, the the norm. He sacrificed it. Now, we don't know if this is the reason why or if it was just because God wanted to, but God appeared to, to Solomon and spoke to him. He spoke to Solomon that night. All right, And he asked Solomon, he said, Solomon, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? What do you want? Whatever you want. Now, if you're my kids and you were asked that question, my kids would probably say, can I have more wishes? But what would you ask for? If, if God came to you and he, and he said to you, you could have whatever you want, what would you ask for? Some people say, well, you know, show me the money, God. I know some people that would say, I want more money. Give me more money. Show me the money. I want the money. What would you ask for? You know, there might be someone that you're saying, you know, I, I, I want a nice car. I want a better house, God. Give me a, a better house. God, uh, what I want is, um, you know, I, I, I'm sick. I want to be healed. I, I don't want to have the sickness anymore. Maybe you know someone that has cancer. You're like, what I want, God, is I want you to heal them from cancer. Or maybe, you know, you, I don't know, you're just, I, whatever, think of something. What do you want? God comes to Solomon and he asks him, what do you want? Ask me for whatever you want. Ask me for whatever you want. And so Solomon comes here and he, he asks God, and here we are, we're going to read the scripture here in 2 in, in, uh, Chronicles, and it says here, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead these people for who is able to govern this great people of yours, give me wisdom and knowledge to lead, now I'm telling you, there's different people, ask for different things, you know, if, if you're, you know, single, you might say, God, I want to get married, if you're, you know, a single woman, and you're like looking, you're like, God, I want a godly, hot man who can cook and pray, can I hear somebody say yes, No single woman in the house want a godly hot man who can cook and pray. Okay, I got one to say he can cook and pray. And why don't you just throw in there that he has money as well, right? Yeah, God, if I could have anything I want, I want a a godly hot man who can cook and pray and clean. Can somebody say yes? All right, now we're asking for stuff, right? If you could have anything in the world that you want, this is what Solomon asked for. He asked for wisdom. And knowledge, wisdom, and knowledge. Can everybody say wisdom and knowledge? Could have asked for anything, but what he asked for was for wisdom and knowledge. He could have asked for money, could have asked for power, he could have asked for fame, but what he asked for was for wisdom and knowledge. And so God says, Well, since you asked for wisdom and for knowledge, you didn't ask for me to wipe out all your enemies, you didn't ask for me to, to give you power, you asked me for wisdom. I'm not, I'm, I'm not only going to give you wisdom and knowledge, I'm going to give you all these other things as well. And so Solomon, he went on to write, and he wrote a bunch about wisdom, and he wrote a bunch about knowledge, and he keeps writing. He's like, OMG. The best thing I ever could have asked for from God was wisdom and knowledge because I'm telling you, this is the best life that I could live is having wisdom and knowledge in my life. Having So he writes about wisdom, writes about wisdom over and over again. And I remember when I was, you know, 30 plus years ago, I remember my dad and I, we would talk a lot about wisdom and knowledge. And one book that my dad read um, that he would talk to me about was called Maximized Manhood by Edwin Lewis Cole. Back in the day, I have it up in my library upstairs. I still have it, and I I remember picking it up and reading through it, and I loved rereading. He would talk to me about wisdom and knowledge, and I remember reading through it, and I loved reading through it because in that book, my dad would write on the margins, and he would underline stuff, so to me, the fun part was reading this book, which was, by the way, um, very, it's about this big, and it's not very, 30-some pages, it's not very thick. So when I picked that book, I was like, I can do this, I can read this book. And so it was, it was you know, um, stuff on the margin, underlined stuff, and I loved reading through that stuff and seeing the insights that my dad had as he read through this book. One of the things that stuck out to me that was underlined by my dad was a story in this book by a guy named, well, by the author talking about uh, a very famous evangelist, probably the greatest evangelist in our era, is Billy Graham. And he talked about how Billy Graham wanted wisdom so bad that he took the wisest book in the Bible, Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, and he read it every single day. There's 31 chapters in the book. And he would read one chapter a day. So like a whole month has 30, 31 days roughly, right? More or less. So he would read a chapter every single day. And I remember that stuck out to me. And so I decided I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to start reading the book of Proverbs every day. One chapter a day. It's one for the rest of the month. So I started doing that on top of my regular reading, whatever I would normally read in the morning, my Bible, my devotion, whatever, I would read this on top of that and start looking at that. And slowly but surely, you know what God started doing? God started giving me opportunities to lead. 30 plus years ago, all of a sudden, God put me in a position where I was leading other people my age. Shortly after that, not even a year later, I'm leading people one or two years older than me then five years older than me, then as years pass, 10 years older, then 15 years older than me, then 20 years, and here I am as I'm growing up and reading for, the, for seven years in a row. I read the book of Proverbs one chapter a day for a month. One chapter a day. And and I just saw how God kept putting me and promoting me in positions of leadership and giving me responsibilities that other I, I would look around and be like, and and I remember feeling intimidated and feeling like, how you know, I'm so young, I'm not really sure. These people are older than me and they're listening to me. I don't understand why, but they're listening to me and 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 and, and I keep you know getting these opportunities to lead others and continue to lead others and, and I would wonder about it. But what I did was I was sometimes I felt intimidated intimidated. intimidated and what i would do is i would just grab a hold of the scripture of proverbs and just uh, man i hope this thing speaks to me because i i need it and you know solomon he knew it was the key he knew it was the key he kept saying he kept talking about wisdom and he says man you can't get enough of wisdom wisdom is amazing just keep reading and getting wisdom and so here's the deal what i want you to understand especially those who are younger uh, this is so incredibly valuable I can't even put it into words how valuable it is. You ask people my age or older, and we look back at our lives, and we look back and we say, man, I wish I would have done it differently 15 years ago. I wish if I could only go back in time and see, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, if I could only change the way things, the way they played out. You know how you can change that? You get wisdom. You get wisdom, and you won't have to regret, live in regret of how you, you lived your life you'll be able to say, you know what, I, di- I made the best possible decision while I was there because God was, was, was giving me the wisdom that I had. In fact, I'm telling you right now, some of you, this is what you need more than anything else. Some of us here, our marriages are on the rocks, and we don't know what to do. Get wisdom. Get it. The title of our talk get it, get wisdom. Some of us, we we don't know what to do. We have, we're in trouble, and and we don't know what we need, and what we need, you guys, is wisdom. Somebody say yes. Yes. Some of us are facing some financial difficulties, and we don't know what to do. We don't know what the next best step is. I'm telling you, get it, get some wisdom, and as you get wisdom, God is going to show you. Maybe you're a parent, and you've got teenagers, and what do you need? Oh, baby, do you need wisdom? Oh, baby, do you need wisdom? You need wisdom in your life. You need wisdom, and here is what Solomon said. He says, and I love this, in Proverbs 4, 7, he said, what is wisdom? Somebody help me out. It's going to come up on the big screen behind me. Wisdom is what? Somebody help me out. Wisdom is, oh, that was weak. Let's try it one more time on the count of three. Wisdom is, one, two, three, Supreme. supreme. Wisdom is supreme. What does he say to do? He says, therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Wisdom is supreme. Wisdom is supreme. You want to glorify God? You want to make a difference in this world? You want to make an impact in the people around you? Yo, I'm telling you, get wisdom. And what I love about this is, what is he saying? He's saying, he's saying, he's saying, guess what? You can get, it's not reserved for just a special group of people. It's you, anybody who wants wisdom can get it. If you want it today, you can achieve it. You can get it. You can get it. It's for you. I have no favorites. It's attainable. You can have it. And here's the deal. No matter what it costs you, go for it. Go get it. No matter what it costs you, it is the greatest commodity that we could ever have. What this world pursues is not what we should be pursuing. And so the only way to know the difference is if we get Wisdom. Solomon, he talks about wisdom is more precious than gold. He says to pursue understanding rather than silver. Get it, though it cost everything you have, go get, choose some wisdom. Though it costs you all the money, all the time, all, 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 it will transform your life. If you can just watch Solomon, all through his teaching, he contrasts between the foolish people and the wise people. You read through the book of Proverbs, through his other writings, and in, in Song of Songs, you, you, you read about what foolish people do and what wise people says. And over and over again, he's saying, don't be acting a fool. I'm trying to tell you, don't be active, be wise, because here's the problem, and you've got to admit this, foolish people, they don't even know they're being foolish, most of the time, people around them are going, this fool has no idea, and they're just, ha ha, totally oblivious to what they're doing, and the decisions that they're making, like the guy on the rattlesnake, I'm going to kiss a rattlesnake, come on, really, you're going to kiss a rattlesnake, think about that, you know, a fool, just like those of you my age, if you grew up in the 80s, I'm a child of the 80s, and if you grew up in, in the 80s, I remember we thought we were so cool. I remember the women would have the hair like all the way up to here, right? The hairspray, kss. we would call it la ola, right? It was just whoo, all the way up here, the wave. And everybody, and I remember the guys with the parachute pants. We'd wear, I would wear these parachute pants. And then you know what I would do is I would, I would uh, bobby pin the bottom of my pants so that way it would look tapered like that, and I looked foolish. I was walking around with these parachute pants and tapered at the bottom with my bobby pin, you know, and, and I would look foolish. I remember those, those, those days when I would do that because I, I wanted, I thought it was cool. It was the wisdom of the world. I thought it was cool to, to bobby pin my jeans at the bottom, but it just, it, it, it made me look foolish. Now, I need you guys all to participate with me. How many of you Often act before you think. Raise your hand. All right. I got some people that instantly raised their hand when I said it. Pastor Abdi said, raise your hand. I'm going to raise my hand. I love it. Act before you think. Yes. Just, you did that. How about this? How many of you, and it might be a little bit embarrassing to admit this, but almost everybody I know does this, you spend much more than you have. Raise your hand. How many of you? I got a few honest folks here raising their hand. They spend much more than they have. All right, the rest of you, you're sitting in church. Some of you are lying, lie, a liar, pants on fire. You're spending way much more than you have. All right, you know how many of you occasionally you hurt someone you love? Raise your hand. All right, I got, I got some honest. Okay, so now, now, now you're raising your hands. That's good. All right, how many of you? You're like me. You often, you're often full of pride, and you don't want to ask for help. How many of you are, are are reluctant to ask for help, even though you know you should? All right, I got a couple hands. All right, good. And you know what the Bible says we are? Fool, foolish. It says we're foolish. And so the Bible says, don't be foolish, get wisdom. In fact, let me show you very directly. I, I want you to see this, and maybe it will posture you to be ready to get some wisdom, all right? The-, the first thing is that fools act before they think. Fools act before they think. Here's what the scripture says in Proverbs thirteen sixteen. It says, wise people think before they act. Fools don't and they even brag about their foolishness, all right? They act before they think. I remember for me, one time, I w- growing up, I went with my mom shopping, and for my mom, going to the grocery store was actually therapy. In case you didn't know, you can actually go grocery store shopping therapy, you can actually get that. And so my mom would go, and it always seemed like a 45-minute affair, no matter when we went. It was always this 45-minute session she needed in the grocery store. And so what I would do is when we would go into the grocery store is I would go to the reading section of the grocery store and just let her do her thing, and I would just read. And so I remember one time in our grocery store shopping therapy, we went, my mom went, Shopping and I went to the reading section. I read everything I wanted to read and I was like, all right, I'm done. I was here yesterday and I read everything already, so nothing new. So I went looking for her and I I kept looking for her down the aisles and looking for her. And I finally found her down one of the middle aisles, which, by the way, most experts believe the middle aisles, when you're grocery shopping, stay away from the middle aisles. There's no nutrition there. But anyway, so I found her in a middle aisle and I walk up behind her and I just go and I give her a big old hug. (laughs) and I go to put my cheek on her cheek and she turns around and she looks at me and it wasn't my mom and I, in my mind, I'm thinking, this is a Kay Pena moment. <laughs> and I'm just apologizing profusely. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. She's looking at me like, what are you doing? And I, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. She had the same jacket, my s- similar jacket, similar hairdo. I thought it was her. And so I acted before I thought. And so the scripture teaches us, don't do that. Or you're going to be a fool. And I was a fool. The second thing is, fools spend all they earn. They spend all they earn. Proverbs twenty-one twenty, It says, in the house of the wise are stores, stores of choice food and oil. What does a foolish man do? He does what, you guys? He devours or gulps theirs down. They devour all they have. He eats it all. He spends it all. But everybody else does it. Well, everybody else is foolish. All right? Fools also hurt those who lo- who they love proverbs 14:1 it says the wise man builds her house the wise woman excuse me the wise woman builds her house but with her own hands the foolish one tears it down the wise woman builds her house but with her own hands the foolish one tears her down she she nags the, the foolish one nags and belittles and controls but what does what does he do oh he's domineering he's always trying to he's always angry the foolish one tears and hurts those they love finally fools think they know it all fools proverbs 12:15 fools think their own way is right but the wise listen to others the wise listen to others scripture says this Somebody help me out. Proverbs 4, 7. One more time. Wisdom is, help me out. All right, wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get what? Wisdom, though it costs what? All you have, get understanding. You guys, choose wisdom. Get understanding. It is supreme. It is supreme. Though it costs you all you have, go get it. I'm telling you, and I pray to God that there is some of you wise enough to hear this and to pursue it and to seek it and to want it because, and I'll say it again, if you get wisdom, it can change the trajectory of your life. Over decades, you can impact more people for the glory of God if you make decisions not based on pros and cons, decisions not based on, 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 on the wisdom of this world, which is foolishness to God, but based on the wisdom of the heart of God. Can somebody say yes? So I know what a lot of you are saying. You're saying, well, okay, I heard you. I heard you talk about foolish, foolish, foolish. So how do I get wise? Tell me about getting wisdom. I want to know how I can get wisdom. I'm so glad you asked. Let's talk about that. How do I get it? Well, the good news is the Bible is so clear, it is scary about how easy it is to get wisdom. It's so clear and direct. So there's three very direct verses that tell us incredibly clearly how to get wisdom. The first thing is, before anything else, it starts with the fear of God. The fear of God. We fear God. In fact, this is what Proverbs 9, verse 10 says. The fear of the Lord, what is it, you guys? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Scripture says, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, what does that mean? Am I supposed to be afraid? Oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be afraid of God. God is there. Oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be afraid of God. Is that what that means? No. In the Old Testament, it talks about a reverential type of, of having towards God. I think, and I believe in our culture today, we've treated God way too much common, way too common. We're like, oh yeah, the man upstairs, me and him are cool. You know, I got baptized when I was eight years old. We talk every now and then. We're good. Him and I, we're good. I believe in our culture, we've, we've played, we, we, to, we've made God too common. And the scripture says that the fear of the Lord, this reverential, man, in the Old Testament, God God talks about him being a holy God. He's this holy God that I'm telling you, if God were here, we would be on our hands and our knees and saying, God, you are amazing. You are, um, I don't deserve to be in your presence because, God, you're here you're amazing. In Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, whenever God would show up, Isaiah would be, I'm a man of unclean lips. He would say, purify me, make me clean. And I think we've lost that in our culture today. We make God way too common. We're like, yeah, him and me and God, we're, we're cool. We, we talk every now and then, you know. We're, we're, we're good to go. We're, we're good to God. But, but God is, is holy, and we need to understand that. We need to understand that God is a holy God. And here's the deal. If God's presence was with with us today in its fullest form, I mean, we're talking the glory of God would fill this room. Here's the deal. We would be on our faces before the Lord. We would be on our faces before him because he's so righteous, he's so powerful, he's so holy that all of a sudden you wouldn't give a rip about what anybody else thinks about what you're doing. You're like, no, this is all that matters. Suddenly the decisions I make, there's an eternal weight on those decisions. And you start thinking, well, okay, how will this Glorify God. Every decision that I make, how will this make His name known? How does this lead me to be more like His Son Jesus? It starts with the fear of the Lord. I'm telling you, a bunch of fools all over this world, they don't know, they're not even smart enough to fear the God of this universe. You start to fear Him, and all of a sudden, you make decisions that please Him because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It starts with the fear of God. Can somebody say yes? All right. So the second scripture is this ask. The second thing, and we'll read the scripture here in a second, is ask God. If you want wisdom, ask him. And I love this. It, could, it couldn't be any more direct. In James chapter 1, verse 5, it says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, you don't know what to do? Scripture says he should do what? He should ask God. How does God give wisdom? Our God is a God who gives what? Help me out generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. So do you need wisdom? What do you need to do? Help me out. Ask God. You say, God, give me wisdom. God, I'm not really sure what to do. I need your wisdom right now. The first week we talked about, the first week we talked about this More Excellent Way series that we kicked off. We talked about, I don't know if anybody, anybody remember? I'll just quiz you. now. Anybody remember we talked about spending what? A day with God. We talked about how to spend a day with God, and we talked about how just shooting them text messages like that, having that idea of just a quick test, just like you talk to your loved ones all throughout the day, just these little short bursts of communication up to God. I do this constantly, all the time before God. I'm always asking God for wisdom. I'm like, God, give me wisdom. I'm not really sure. I'm in a grocery store. God, who do you want me to talk to? God, who is it that's hurting here? How? What, kind of, what should I say, God? I don't even know what to give me wisdom, God. I constantly am asking God for wisdom, and I encourage you. I, I don't even count the times because I'm constantly asking God, God, give me wisdom. I need wisdom right now. I need wisdom in this decision. I'm not really sure which direction to go. God, give me wisdom. God, I feel like you want me to do this. Is this you, God? God, give me wisdom. I want to reach out and help somebody right now, but I'm not really sure if I'm supposed to. God, give me wisdom. You guys, constantly, I'm asking, and I'm I'm sending these little text messages up to God, and I'm saying, God, I need your wisdom right now. I'm not really sure what to do. And so this is number two, is just ask God. Over and over again, just ask him. And I'm telling you, hearing his voice, and all day long, God, what do you want me to do? I've made more, and I believe, on-target decisions when I've asked God. And I'll tell you something else, when I add to it, when I fast, when I refrain from food, I have made more on-target decisions, I'm hearing God a lot more clear, I'm saying no to food, I'm fasting, and I'm saying, God, I just want you to speak, God, I just need your wisdom right now, and so the more I fast, the more I feel like I can hear God and make some wiser decisions, and you know, you don't have to go around asking Cosmopolitan, what should I do, right? We don't have to ask other people, what should I do, we can ask the Lord, God, show me I, I've been praying, God, about this church, about this leadership, God, about the decisions we need to make. Show us. We need your wisdom. You fear God, and you ask God, all right? And then you want wisdom? The third one is to hang out with wise people. Hang out with wise people. So the first one is you fear God. The second one is you ask God. And the third one is you hang out with wise people. Somebody ought to say yes to that somewhere right here. This is some good stuff. Hang out with wise people you want wisdom, go ahead and do that. Proverbs 13 verse 20 says this, he who walks with the wise grows what? He who walks with the wise what? Help me out. Grows wise, but a companion of fools does what? Suffers harm. Listen, if you want to be wise, hang out with wise people. You want to be an idiot? Hang out with fools. My mom used to tell me all the time, in Spanish, dime con quien andas. All oh, you heard that before. Yeah. Tell me who you walk with and I will tell you who you are. You want to be wise? Hang out with wise people. Scripture says bad company corrupts what? Good character. Bad company corrupts good character. You run with a bunch of idiots, and you're going to be an idiot. That's just what it, that's just the way it is. I'm going to break it down to the scripture in a real easy way to understand, all right? You want to be wise? Hang out with wise people. Hang out with those who are wise. Hang out with those who are wise. In fact, as I get older in age, I started to miss not doing some stuff. As I was, as I was growing up, my teen years, my 20s, I was, I would be, 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 thinking sometimes that i would be missing out on my friends some of my friends they wouldn't be hanging with the things that I would do. I, I hung out with friends. I grew up in the inner city, so I, I hung out with friends who were slinging and doing stuff and, you know, doing all kinds of stuff. They were, they were doing all kinds of stuff. And, and I remember thinking sometimes, man, I'm, I'm missing out on some of this stuff. They were smoking and puffing and chewing and doing all this stuff. And then sometimes I felt like, man, I'm missing out. They're having a good, they're partying. And I would go to God and I would, God, you know, I feel like I'm missing out. You know what I would do on Saturday nights? I would call my friends that were following God, and I would say, hey, you guys, let's get together. Let's pray. Let's get together. Let's pray for each other, and let's see what God does. Let's listen to some worship music. Let's, let's, and I would do that. When they couldn't hang out, you know what? I would, I would do it by myself. I'd grab a pad of paper, and I would just get my Bible, and I would just start writing and start writing and start writing, and God would start to show me, this is what I'm going to do through you. If you would give me your time, this is what I want to do in your life. And in my time of journaling, I wrote down all kinds of things, and there was three things in particular that I wrote down, and I wanted to be great at. I told God, God, I want to be great at these three things, and I want to accomplish these in my life, and I told God, number one is, I want to serve you. I want to serve you with all my heart, and I want to be faithful to you, and I want to maximize all the gifts that you've given me for your kingdom and for your glory. That was number one. God, I want to serve you. Number two is, God, I want you to be a god, I want to be a godly, a godly man. I want to, I want to, I want to build a godly family, I want to love my bride as Christ loved the church, and I want to be faithful to her, and I want to be a godly father, and I want to raise a generation of people who follow you and serve you. That's what I told God. Number two was I want to be a godly man and have a godly family. And number three was, and quite honestly, and I'll just say it, I I I I want to be financially free. I told God, I, I don't want to ever be in debt to anybody. I don't want to have to make decisions based on finances, I don't want to owe man anything except the continual debt of love is what the scripture says. And so the problem is, those things that I wanted, when I looked around in my neighborhood, when I looked around at my friends, when I looked around at my family, nobody was doing it. Marriages were in turmoil. People weren't following God. And I'm like, God, what do I do? The coaches around me, they weren't following God. My friends, adults in my life, they, 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 they didn't have these kind of qualities. And so what I started doing is, I started seeking out people who had good marriages Because people, that the marriages, that were falling apart around me. And everybody I knew was living paycheck to paycheck or almost broke. And almost everybody I saw, they didn't like what they were doing. They hated their career. And I was like, I don't want that kind of job. I don't want that kind of mentality. I don't want to believe that kind of stuff. They might believe it, but I don't want to believe it. I don't want to be like that. There's no evidence of God in their lives. I, I don't want that. They can keep that. You can have that. I don't want that. And so guess what? I started to hang around people like what I wanted to see in my life, where I wanted the trajectory of my life to get to, just like them. I want my life to be like them. And so I started looking, and I'm saying I I abandoned some of my friends. Now, I'm not saying you have to abandon all your friends, but I'm saying that you got to hang out with wise people. You got to find them. You got to do whatever it takes to find them. There was one very godly people, Juan and Maria uh, Garcia, Juan and Marisol Garcia, and so you know what I did? I found this marriage, this couple that was married that were happily married. I said, you know what? I want my marriage to be like that. So you know what I did? I went and I bought a house right next to theirs. I bought an a you know, townhouse right next to theirs. I want what they got. So I want them to teach me. I give them permission to talk to us. We could ask them all kinds of questions and, and help us, teach us. And, and so I wanted to be financially free, so I started to memorize everything Dave Ramsey wrote. I wanted to get wisdom on finances so Dave beat right way way before we ever brought him here to the Doral Vineyard I started looking at Dave Ramsey and memorizing stuff that he said and I wanted it in my life I wanted to be a godly man and so what I did was I put myself under the teaching of a godly pastor and I told this pastor I said pastor you have permission to wound me if you have to Tell me what I don't want to hear because I know you love me and you want the best for me. So wound me, Pastor, wound me. I want to be that man. I, I want to be what God has called me to do, to be. And so I want to hang out with you and I want to learn how to do this. And let me tell you, I got some great advice. I got a, some great advice. This week, Marie and I, we were praying about, God, we, we, we want more mentors in our life. We want a spiritual direction. We want a coach in our life. And so this week, we got to meet some vineyard pastors in Texas, and they offered, I'll be your coach. I'll be your spiritual mentor. I said, that's what I want. I want a spiritual director, a spiritual director. I said, all right. They're 15 years older than me, and I love it. I love that Marie and I, we can walk together in this journey with this couple and and learn and ask them all kinds of questions about raising a family and, and about being godly. And let me tell you, you hang out with wise people, you're gonna be wise. You hang out with wise people, you're gonna be wise. And here's the deal you hang around broke people, guess what? All your life, if all you do is listen to their advice, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be a broke people. You go all over with your friends, and and, and they've screwed up their marriages, and you expect to have a great marriage. If you got nothing but models of bad marriages, you got to hang out with wise people. You make your decisions, and your decisions make you. You get wisdom because wisdom is what? Supreme. Choose understanding. So a little over 20 years ago, I remember being in college, and I'm talking a lot today, but I'm very passionate about this. Very passionate about getting some wisdom. I remember 20 years ago, I was in college, and I was choosing my major. I was uh, two years into college. And friends around me, they saw friends that were around me, they were like, Abdi, you know, I was wondering, what should I do? What should I do with my major? I mean, I've, I've kind of decided... 'Cause I've known all along what I wanted to do with my life. But but as far as majors go, you know, that that's kinda I don't know. I'm not and I remember my friends telling me, Abdi, you're way too smart to go into the ministry. You're way too smart to work at a church. Don't do that. Get like a business degree or a medicine degree, you know? And and medicine had profoundly affected you know affected my life, impacted my life because my mom was a nurse, and so, you know, she'd always bring these stories, and so always in the back of my mind, medicine, medicine, medicine was in the back of my mind, and I I still feel called that God has asked me to mix, mix faith and healing and medicine together, and uh, that's been a calling all of my life, and I, I've, I've been pursuing that, mixing all those together, and, and so I remember in college, my friends would tell me, Abdi, don't waste your time in church, don't waste your time on that major, you don't need that, go get a business degree, go get a medical degree, that would be so much better for you, and, and I, I remember, and I remember thinking, man, if I, if, if, if I do, I, I, I remember looking and asking for people for direction, and I remember once I graduated from college, This pastor asked me if I wanted to come on staff, and I said, yes, I do, because that was in my heart. I I said, yes, I do. Deal's done. I'm going for this. And he said, all right, so um, we can only pay you $18,000 a year. And I was like, okay, but that includes benefits, right? No, no, no benefits. Okay, but you're going to help me get through seminary, right, because that's where I'm at right now. I'm in seminary. You're going to help me get through seminary. Nope, we can't help you with that either. And I started asking, okay, hold on, let's put that on hold. And I started asking my friends around, what should I do? They're like, Abdi, go make your money, go get in business. You're so smart, go get. Don't waste your time in church. Don't waste your time being a pastor. You can go get make your money, and then after you make your money, go back and be a pastor. Go, go make your money. I remember people would tell me that Abdi, go be a doctor, go be a nurse. You have what it takes up here. You can go get that. And I remember people telling me, and I remember this one couple I went to and I asked them, I said, what should I do? I'm not really sure. $18,000, my word, that's it. (laughs) I was like, really? This is what it's gonna be like. And he said, Abdi, you know what you should do? He said, you should go into business or go into the medical field. Do everything you can to stay out of ministry if you think that that's the way you're gonna please God. But if not, you need to go to the ministry. And in my heart, when I asked myself the question, I, I knew this is what God has called me to. And so I took a gamble. I said, all right, I'm going to take this. This is what God wants me to do. And I remember I fasted, and I sought God, and I prayed, and, and I, 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 I was like, God, I need to know. I need your wisdom. I need your wisdom. And we made that decision, and the decision, you guys, has made me I made that decision over 20 plus years ago, and that decision has made me. And it went against every bit of worldly wisdom. And I'm here to tell you that it's the wisdom of the heart of God that allows me to do what I'm doing. And I want with everything in me for you to be wise enough to get it because it's there for you. And don't sell out to the things of this world or you're never gonna have a good marriage. You're never gonna have a good marriage. You gotta go get it. You're always gonna be broke We don't have to buy into that. You get wisdom. You know what? You get wisdom, and you might actually get some money as well. Then you'll be wise enough to do something with it to make a difference in this world. Don't go pursue money. Pursue wisdom. Pursue it. Get it. It's yours. God wants to give it to you. Fear Him. We don't know everything, but if we fear Him, and then we ask Him, He gives generously, and then we hang out with wise people, you'll be shocked at what God can do through you over the decades. So let's finish with that verse that we read right at the beginning, 2 Chronicles chapter 1. Because I want this in our hearts and in our minds and in our, in our souls. I want us to get this. And this says here, get, let's read it all together on the count of three. One, two, three. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people for who is able to govern this great people of yours. Would you bow your heads and let me pray for you today. Thank you, God, for your presence here. We believe that you were here, God, and I pray that your heart would become our heart and that we would seek you, that we would seek you, God, and that we would get your wisdom. God, I pray that we would understand that it is supreme, that there is nothing worth more than wisdom. It is worth more than gold. And that we can get it, that even if it costs us everything we have, that we should pursue your heart to do your will, to glorify your name, to impact this world for your kingdom. And just as you're praying today, some of you, you've got a decision to make right now, and you need wisdom from God. I want to pray for you. Others of you, you've made some foolish decisions. Haven't we all? Haven't we all made some foolish decisions? And you're at a place in your life where you're saying, Oh man, I wish I could do it over. And I can't believe I'm here and I need your wisdom. Let me tell you, you need it. And let me tell you, you can get it. You can have it. God wants to give it to you. And if you say, I really do, I need God's wisdom. I need it. I need his wisdom. I'm going to pursue him. I need it. If that's you here today, I'm going to s- simply ask you to stand right now. Just stand right where you're at. I want to pray for you. God, I pray all over this place there are people standing and I'm so grateful that are people asking for God's wisdom. I pray and I ask God that this wouldn't be just another sermon that comes and goes, but that there would be some that are are wise enough to recognize that this can be a life-transforming, world-altering moment for them. God, that they would reject the wisdom of this world and pursue the wisdom directly from your heart. I thank you, God, that as they grow to know you, that they will fear you with a reverent awe. And God, we know that this is the beginning of living according to your ways, according to your wisdom. And God, I thank you that as they ask, that you will give it. God, I pray that, that it would be their common prayer, saying, God, give me wisdom. Oh, God, I need your wisdom. I pray that, that this would be what they would go after with a tenacious kind of spirit, that they would just run for where it's at. They would run towards wisdom and just ask God, Lord, even if they have to move in next door to find godly couple, that they would just fight and scratch for a time to be with those who are wise and, and so that they can become wise. God, for any of those who are living around fools and going down, if they got to cut off these relationships to get out of the muck, give them the courage to walk away and pursue you. God, so that they could have your wisdom and so that your will will, will, will be accomplished in, your, in their life for your glory, God. And as you keep praying today, right now a lot of you are here today because you're about to make the wisest decision you've ever made in your life. A fool thinks they know it all. A fool says in his heart there is no God. A fool does life without God. And what you need more than anything else because we're all foolish without God is you need Jesus Christ. You need the embodiment. He is the embodiment of wisdom. He is the Word made flesh. He is the Son of God. He is the one who came to bring life and life more abundantly. He is the one who came to set the sinners free. The reason why we walk the broad road, the reason why we walk the straight toward destruction is because we are bent with our sin nature away from a holy God. But Jesus is the better sacrifice. He is the perfect sacrifice in the Old Testament. It was very customary to sacrifice lambs, animals, but it was a temporary thing. Jesus is the Lamb of God who is eternal. He is eternal, and his sacrifice eternally covers all of our sins. He was without sin, and he shed his blood on the cross, and he was risen from the dead, and he did this so that anyone who calls on his name can be saved. There are those of you here today that there is a choice before you. You're in a fork in the road, and you choose one way, and you choose Christ, and you choose the other way, and you choose to walk away from him. One way, you're wise. The other way, you're a fool. And if you're here today, and you say, you know what? I am a sinner. I do need a savior. I do want to know him. I want to serve him. I need him in my life. I need his power. I need his wisdom. I wholly and completely give myself to Jesus.